0: Welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy with our host, Steve Butler. On today's program, our series entitled, The Second Coming versus the Rapture, as he opens God's Word to study the difference between the Rapture and the Second Coming. It's time to explore Bible prophecy. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Exploring Bible Prophecy. We're going to jump right in where we left off in yesterday's episode, and that is dealing with Jesus coming at his second coming with his church, with his bride, uh, to the earth. So if you've got your Bible open in front of you, and I hope that you do because we're going to wear it out again today. And if you have your handout from um, the radio station, and that's provided by whcbradio.org, It will be a great assistance to you as we go through this uh, series, in fact, all of our series, so that you can see and and copy down, and and it'll help you to uh, reference the Scriptures as we go through this. But otherwise, uh, as I always do, we'll talk through this, and hopefully you'll uh, enjoy and and get something out of the program just by listening. So we are in uh, point number one on our handout, and we're in the right-hand column of that handout that has to do with the second coming of Christ. And in that, in the Revelation passages that you see there, we were describing the church coming back with Jesus Christ at his second coming as his wife. Now, you remember uh, from a previous episode, we talked about Jesus coming to the earth in the air to capture his bride, to catch her up into heaven as his bride, In heaven, there is a wedding, there is a wedding ceremony, and there is a celebration. And then, approximately seven years later, at least seven years later, because that's when the tribulation takes place, it's when we're in heaven, that he comes back with his wife. And that's the wonderful picture. We go from being the um, bride of Christ to being the wife of Christ And we will be with him forever, as we've seen in scriptures, and we'll certainly reference them again in this study. The point being that we will be with him forever. And we won't be sitting on white clouds. We won't be strumming a harp. We won't be wearing, well, diapers, (laughs) as it looks like in some of the imagery that you see in paintings. But we will be in our glorified bodies, uh, looking somewhat like we do today, probably in a more perfected state. And we will be working with the Lord. It says that we will be ruling and reigning on the earth with the Lord for a thousand years. And that's a, a very clear picture from the scriptures. So it's something to be excited about and not to worry about because we'll be in our glorified bodies with a glorified mind. And so don't worry about ruling and reigning. Uh, you will have all the, all the wherewithal you need to be able to do that. So the point I wanted to make was, um, Bride to wife here. And that's an important point. And I'm excited uh, to tell you that we have a, another series of programs that will be coming your way on this uh, radio station dealing specifically with the ancient Jewish wedding. And the reason for that is that the each of the steps that are taken in an ancient Jewish wedding are the exact point by point steps that Jesus uses in courting, betrothing, uh, snatching away uh, to his father's house, the marriage, uh, the ceremony, the um, whole wedding itself, and then the the supper that follows, the great celebration that follows. So by going through the scriptures and talking about an ancient Jewish wedding, we'll be able to see the direct parallels that uh, we see here with the rapture of the church and then the second coming. I then, if you look at your handout there, wanted to make the point that there is a group of people that the Bible is predominantly about, and those are the Jews. Starting with Abraham way back in Genesis 12, um, the focus uh, for a good part of the Bible, probably five, six of the Bible, is on the Jew. And that group of people is also referred to as a wife, So it's important as we look at the church and the rapture and the wedding and being called the wife of Christ that we understand who the Jews are the wife of. And you find out uh, in that Isaiah passage somewhere there, Isaiah 54 that we covered last time, you find out that the Jews, Israel, is the wife of of God, the wife of God. And they were wedded to God all the way back in Exodus 19. And so that has been a long marriage. It's been a very rocky marriage, uh, if you've studied your Bible in any detail. And it's still a rocky marriage, but it will end up being a blessed uh, existence when uh, they come to recognize uh, their Messiah as their Lord and Savior. And they will be the predominant and preeminent people on the earth, the Bible tells us, uh, during the Millennial Kingdom. But the key point I want to make here is that the wife of God is is separate and distinct from the wife of Christ. Uh, They both uh, will be considered righteous by God. They both will be a blessing to God, but they are two distinct groups of people. And um, that point uh, needs to be made here because one of the things that is happening in the world today, and this is the reason for Genesis 12.3 there in the, the handout, is that the world is hating Israel with a passion. I have been for centuries, and it's even more so today, and it'll get even worse. But the point is that when you curse Israel, according to Genesis 12, 3, you are, in fact, cursing God's wife. So whenever you are around someone uh, that is uh, saying terrible things about Israel and wishing that Israel were destroyed realize that, in effect, you are saying those things about God's wife. All right, a little bit of a background there. Let's move on into um, the next passages that we have here in item number one, point number one, under the second coming. And that first one is Revelation 17, 14. And the purpose for verse 14 in in Revelation chapter 17 is, again, just to – Confirm again with another passage that we had in Revelation 19, another passage that indeed we as the church are coming back with Jesus Christ as a second coming. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to the last book of your Bible, Revelation, and look at chapter 17, and then scan down to verse 14, and it reads, These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because he is lord of lords and king of kings and those who are with him are the called and chosen and faithful so what we have in context here is the uh, the battle of uh, tribulation uh, those who wage war against the lamb at the beginning of the verse and it's uh, describing Jesus now as the conquering king as Lord of Lords and King of Kings that we see in detail coming back in Revelation 19 that we read last time. And the point here is those that are with him are the called, the chosen, and the faithful. And those are all terms for the church, the chosen, the called out ones, the elect, um, and other names. And then one other point, and again, why are we why are we looking at these um Points uh, outside of the main scripture. The point I wanted to make here is when you're studying the Bible, the Bible wants to clarify uh, every point, uh, every fact, every truth with w- really with more than one uh, statement, so that you the Bible basically confirms itself. I guess said another way, and so you want to look, and that's why we have so many scriptures, and you see them from not only the New Testament. You know, just because we're talking about uh, the second coming of Christ doesn't mean that it's not talked about in the Old Testament. It certainly is. Um, So to have more than one scripture verify it, you know, in a a secular sense, that confirms a truth if you have more than one witness. And uh, the Bible, in many cases, will provide two or more witnesses to a truth. So what a wonderful aspect of the Bible that God has given us. So the, uh, the next scripture, actually the last scripture in this particular point in item number one is in Colossians. So if we'd go from Revelation back to the left, and you'll find the uh, T the books, the uh, Titus, Timothy, Thessalonians, the T's get bigger and bigger, and then you get to Colossians. And in Colossians chapter three, we want to read the, uh, the first f- uh, four verses there. And it says, Therefore, If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, is revealed then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And the point here is that last part of the verse, in verse 4, it says that when Christ is revealed, we will be revealed with him in glory. And of course, when is that glory? And you can you can really say that there is the glory when he comes for his church at the rapture. But there's also his glory that's going to be even a, a greater glory, if you will. God will be even more glorified at his second coming because when he comes in his glory, we will come with him in his glory. And the people who are on the earth that are going to be judged will uh, see us for who we are as believers in Christ, and God will be glorified in this. The whole world at that point uh, at that point we'll then see Christ in his glory with his church. So just another confirmation that we are coming back with him. And I have down there as well John 16, 24. And it's kind of a, 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 an additional point to be made about the glory of Christ and our being with him. So if you'd go to John, the last book of the Gospels, so you got um, Acts and then Romans or Romans, then Acts. Let me get that straight, thinking backwards. And John 16 and John seventeen twenty four. it says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory, which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world. So here's Christ, and actually in John 17, Christ is praying to His Father. This is a a, a um, prayer from the Son to the Father, and He's asking the Father that uh, we would be that His believers in Him, His church, would be with Him where He is, and that they would see His glory. What a what a wonderful picture there! So when we come back with Christ at the second coming, we will see His glory. We will actually be in his glory, because we will be his wife. All right, let's look at uh, point number two, point number two on our handout. And this is a point uh, where we're building, uh, building a case here. You've got Jesus looking under the rapture column. Jesus comes from heaven for his church. And then in point number two, he comes from heaven with his church to take his bride up to heaven. So the next point we want to look at is when he comes in the rapture, where do we go in the rapture? So if you would, let's go to Acts to set the stage here. So if you're in John, back up to the right, back to the right, and go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And it reads, And after he had said these things, he, Jesus, was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Verse 10 And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So I have um, the Acts passage here. We've read it before, but I wanted to uh, read it again just to set the stage that it's a picture of Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection, and he has been back on the earth for 40 days. And then, of course, 10 days later would be Pentecost and the creation of the church that we see him going up into heaven, and it happens to be on the Mount of Olives, which is just to the east of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And the apostles are there watching this happen, and they're saying that he is going to go into heaven, into the clouds, uh, to heaven, and then will come back in the same way. And as we'll find out here in um, oh, a couple of episodes, we will find out that um, he comes back. Just as it says here, and we'll come back exactly to the Mount of Olives, the same place he left from. Uh, that's not the rapture, that's the second coming. But he will come back to the same place that he lifted up. So the point there being that we've seen Jesus do this once, and now he's going to do it again, only he's going to do it with his bride. So let's take some time here and let's get into what is probably the best known rapture passage in the Bible. There are actually three good rapture passages, but this probably in First Thessalonians chapter 4 probably captures it better than anywhere else in the Bible. I know it's my favorite. And let's go ahead and, and take a few minutes here and let's look at First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Starting at verse 13, we read, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the, do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So, there's so so much to unpack in these few verses in First Thessalonians four thirteen to eighteen. But the and we will unpack them as we go through this series of um, of programs. But today, the point we want to make here is uh, really focused on verse seventeen. And it says that when we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them, them as those who have died in Christ and their bodies have been resurrected to the grave and they'll be um, matched up with their spirits to become whole again. Uh, We who are alive at the time will be together with them, caught up in the air. And of course, caught up uh, is harpazo, which in the Latin is rapture. Caught up with them in the air to meet the Lord, and so we shall be with the Lord always. And of course, if you recall back to uh, John seventeen twenty four, uh, that's what the Lord asked the Father for: is that we would be in His glory forever with Him. So we see a confirmation, and then of course the wonderful verse eighteen that concludes it here. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So the rapture is a glorious event for the church. It is a rescue from the wrath that is to come in the divine judgments of God uh, on the earth, that we will be rescued from that and we are to comfort one another with those words. So you can see from this, um, this rapture passage that we will be caught up with the Lord in the air just as we saw Jesus going up into the air in Acts chapter 1. And we're going to spend a a fair amount of time in this passage as we go through the different points in this series on the uh, rapture compared to the second coming. Let's um, see if we can do one more uh, passage here, and that would be in John chapter 14, and I will read that to you here as we go back to the left John chapter 14 is one of the other two rapture passages that I refer. there's three real obvious ones in the Bible and this is um, I guess depending on your perspective it could be very obvious or almost as obvious as first Thessalonians chapter 4 but nevertheless let me read this to you verse um, 1 of John 14Do not let your heart be troubled." Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. So, (laughs) again. We're going to spend a lot of time in this one as well. We'll spend a lot of time in all three of those rapture passages as we go through. But isn't it a wonderful picture here to see uh, Jesus Christ telling us, first of all in one, don't be troubled, don't let your hearts be troubled, that uh, just as we saw in verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 4, comfort one another with what I'm telling you, that in verse 3 of John 14, I will come again and receive you to myself. So a picture of the rapture of the church and the fact that he is coming for us to take us up to heaven with him. Now we want to answer a question from a listener. So we'll we'll pick up this series the next time. We have a question from Susan in Kingsport. And Susan's question is, should we have any fear about the rapture of the church? What a timely question. And so that's a great question, Susan. People who have uh, fears about the rapture are folks who really don't understand the purpose of the rapture. And, of course, that's why we're we're going through this. Uh, In this series, God's word really is clear that the rapture is an event to look forward to to look forward to if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So let's look at a few scriptures to see if we can back up what uh, what we just said here and and assuage the fear that uh, Susan and Kingsport may have about the rapture of the church. So let's go to uh, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. So back into that wonderful... Um, set of two books to the Thessalonians where Paul talks quite a bit about the rapture and not being part of the tribulation, which is a wonderful, wonderful thought. It's actually a wonderful truth. In 1 Thessalonians 2, looking at verse 19, it says, for who is our hope? And this is Paul talking to the Thessalonians, for who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? So look at the, the, the verbiage that uh, Paul uses here in addressing the Thessalonians. Our joy, our crown of exaltation, our hope. That certainly doesn't sound like something that uh, generates a fear in a person. And what, what is that hope and that joy and that crown of exaltation all about? It's the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. We're going to be part of that. And then in uh, staying in First Thessalonians, and we just read this um, a few moments ago in our um, episode today, in First Thessalonians 4, looking at that last verse 18, it says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So again, the, the the thought or concept of comfort certainly does not engender fear in a person uh, in what has just been described, which is the rapture of the church. All right, let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews. This is a uh, passage that folks might not think necessarily applies, but indeed I think it really does because it's talking about the church uh, making sure that it stays together and uh, fellowships together. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what is he basically saying? Don't forsake assembling together. Don't forsake fellowshipping together. That means church. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a brick and mortar church, but it's the coming together of believers to fellowship and to worship and to praise and honor God. And it's talking about stimulating one another to love and good deeds. And it's talking about doing this and is an encouragement to one another and it's all the more as you see the day drawing near. What is that day they're talking about? It's the rapture of the church. It is a glorious event in the life of a Christian. It's something to stimulate you. It's something to encourage you. It's something to comfort you. All right, let's 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 look uh, at another passage. And again, you, you may think, well, why don't we just have one or two verses? That's all we really need. Well, you can. But again, remember back, context, context, context. You want to make sure that you have the facts and you don't pull a, a truth from one verse. If you can find several verses that say the same thing, then you can be pretty confident. In fact, let's just go ahead and say, you can be confident that you have an understanding of a truth. So let's look at another passage here in Acts chapter 14 and verse 22. And he's, uh, this is Paul in his first missionary journey up in what is now modern-day Turkey, in central Turkey, and he says in verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So this is a motivation, even though he's talking about tribulations, and we'll talk about that in some detail here. In uh, a few episodes of this series, but he is talking about encouraging them during their tribulations here on earth because they have a wonderful thing to look forward to. What is that? The rapture of the church. And then the last one we'll look at here is Titus. So you remember first and second Thessalonians, then first and second Timothy, then Titus. So you see the long to the short of the Ts uh, in the New Testament. So we go to Titus, and we go to Titus 2.13, and in Titus 2.13 it says, Looking for the blessed hope, the blessed hope, and the appearing of, of, the, uh, appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what is the, the blessed hope? It's the appearing of our Lord and Savior, at the rapture. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air. Thank you for joining us on today's Exploring Bible Prophecy. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.